0: According to Quit Australia, if you smoke more than 10 cigarettes a day or have a cigarette in the first half hour of waking up, you are considered a person who is addicted to nicotine. Many Quit campaigns over the years have educated us on how smoking can cause significant harm to our health. But quitting smoking is easier said than done. And vaping has come into the picture and more recently, there's been media reports on vaping causing death to young vapers in the US. So what should we believe? Is all cigarette smoking bad for us? Is cigarette and vaping as equally bad for our health? And how exactly can you quit smoking successfully? So I felt it was of value to speak to an expert in this area, Associate Professor Mendelson, who is the chairman of the Australian Tobacco Harm Reduction Association. And he also has his own specialist practice in Double Bay, whereby he helps people to quit smoking. How many Australians are currently smoking?
1: Well, currently about 3 million adult uh, Australians smoke, which is about 15.2% of the adult population. Um, But there are much higher smoking rates in certain disadvantaged populations. So that figure is high enough. But in Indigenous adults, for example, the smoking rate's 45%. Um, There are higher rates generally in low-income populations and those with mental illness and substance abuse also have, have high smoking rates. We, we've had great success in Australia in bringing our smoking rates down over the last few decades, but the smoking rate has actually stalled since about 2013, uh, whereas it's continuing continuing to decline in most other Western countries.
0: What about with young people? Are a, a lot more young people smoking?
1: Look, the take-up rate by young people is actually very low. So in the teenage years, it's about two percent of the population that that smoke. Um, the, the rate increases in the eighteen to twenty four age group and it stays pretty steady through till about the fifties and then starts declining as as smokers die and as people start giving smoking up, knowing harm it's doing to them and, and developing smoking related complications. So there are through the twenties, thirties, forties and fifties, it's pretty level these days.
0: And there's so many health promotion campaigns out there and coming from a public health background that educate us about how harmful smoking is to our health, yet people still smoke. Why is smoking so addictive?
1: Yes, look, smoking is still the leading preventable cause of death in Australia. It still kills 19,000 people prematurely each each year, which is a jumbo jet crashing every week. It kind of slips under the radar because we, you know, it's not in your face. It's just happening quietly in the background. Most smokers are aware of the harms and they mostly try to quit and fail repeatedly. Uh, in fact, by the age of 40, the average smoker has uh, typically had about 20 failed quit attempts. So smoking is a true addiction for smokers and it's probably the most addictive of all the substance substances that people use. And smokers have really lost control over their behavior. So they want to quit and they just can't. And there's three aspects to the addiction. One is addiction to the drug, to the nicotine. So nicotine gets to the brain very quickly when you smoke and it releases neurotransmitters or chemicals in the brain in the reward center, in particular dopamine which makes you feel good and after a while you, your brain comes to rely on that and when you quit smoking you go through a very unpleasant withdrawal period where your body's craving that dopamine and you feel, feel really down and anxious and so most of the time people who you know, be determined to quit first thing in the morning will have relapsed already by lunchtime because that's unpleasant so that's, that's the addiction to the drug to the nicotine but there's also the smoking behaviour so smokers learn to associate the pleasant effects of the nicotine with certain triggers, such as a cup of coffee or being around certain people or certain moods. And after a while, when they're exposed to those triggers, like having a cup of coffee, they can get an intense urge to smoke. So those triggers will will trigger an urge to have a cigarette, and finally, there are some positive aspects of smoking. So smoking can relieve anxiety and improve mood in the short term. It improves concentration and memory, reduces appetite uh, and reduces weight gain. And mm. smokers, just finally, smokers often talk about the smoker's identity. So smoking is, in a way, part of who they are. So, you know, smoking's like an old friend. It's... It's been there for a long time through hard times, and gives people comfort to some extent. And it can be hard to let go of that.
0: That's so interesting because when you when you're speaking about the different facets of addiction, I can, in my mind, even imagine the people I know that smoke, and and over the years have said, oh. I, I just have to smoke, it's so relieving for my stress or, you know, I can just see those people and why they smoke and it's reflected.
1: They nearly all want to quit. Not all of them. Some enjoy smoking or some have decided they just can't give up so they might as well keep going. But most of them would dearly love to quit and we know that there's about 90% of smokers regret ever having started.
0: Oh, that's so sad. And then it's so expensive now to smoke. That's the other aspect of it too.
1: Well, we have the highest cigarette prices in the world in Australia. I mean, the pack of 20 of the leading brand is $30 in Australia. And, yeah, you know, in the US it's about, I think, about 10 or $11. In the UK it's about $17. Mm. So if you're a heavy smoker, you're using a huge portion of your income for an addiction that you, you can't control.
0: Yeah, and what's very sad is when you think about the stats you just spoke about that it's affecting those people that are already suffering from a low income or a mental illness. It's its very, very sad. So if you come from a family of smokers, are you more likely to smoke?
1: Well, yes, you are. And for two reasons. Firstly, young people copy their parents. So if they see their, their parents smoking, that kind of normalises that behaviour. Um, and the risk is higher if both your parents smoke. And it's also higher still if say older siblings smoke as well. So there's a strong link there, to, and it, it's linked to the number of family members. But more importantly, um, there are genetic factors. Oh. So there are, there, there are genes that determine whether you're more likely to try smoking. There are genes that make you m- m- uh, more likely to become addicted. Uh, genes can affect how easy it is for you to quit Um, genes affect how you respond to different treatments and so on. So, uh, you know, to some extent, a a lot of smoking is beyond people's control.
0: And so therefore getting help by people like yourself, people who are experts in this area is a a good idea.
1: Well, I think for many people that's a... that's essential I mean some people can stop easily and you often hear these stories well I just gave up one morning why can't you but everyone's different and you know genes play a major role in that so some people just don't get addicted in the same way others do because of their genetic makeup and those people who are struggling shouldn't feel guilty this is they're just different and and the addiction affects them differently and they just may need help and other people may not
0: and what is vaping I've it's so new to me. And when I watch people vaping from a distance, I think, that is so unusual. And someone showed me one of those machines the other day and I was just mesmerised. What, what is it exactly?
1: Well, it's actually not so new. It was invented in 2003 by a Chinese pharmacist who was a heavy smoker, couldn't quit. His father had died from lung cancer. So in his spare time, he invented the first electronic cigarette. Because the reality is that most or many smokers are simply unable to quit with conventional treatments, and they're just going to continue to smoke. So vaping is a form of harm reduction, so it's a safer way of getting nicotine for those smokers who can't quit um, the, the nicotine or the smoking habit. So a vaporizer is a, a battery-powered device that contains a liquid, which usually consists of nicotine, uh, flavorings. Uh, dissolved in propylene glycol and vegetable glycerin. And when you breathe in, the little heating coil heats the liquid into an aerosol, which the user user inhales. And this is then exhaled as a a visible cloud. So essentially, it just simulates smoking. So vaping delivers the nicotine that smokers are addicted to, and it replicates the smoking hand-to-mouth behaviour and the sensations of smoking, but without the smoke which causes almost all of the harm to health.
0: So then it is less um, harmful than smoking cigarettes then?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's not risk-free, but then nothing is uh, on this planet. But there's overwhelming scientific evidence that's far less harmful. In fact, the Royal College of Physicians in the UK and Public Health England both did comprehensive reviews of the evidence and estimated that long-term vaping is likely to be no more than 5% of the risk of smoking and and probably a lot less. Because almost all the harm from smoking is from the tyre and the carbon monoxide and the other chemicals from burning tobacco. Um, And the vast majority of those chemicals are are not present in vapour.
0: So then is it an effective way of quitting smoking then?
1: Look, it is. Um, There's growing evidence for that. And um, the evidence actually suggests it's the the most effective quitting method. So earlier this year, there was a large randomised control trial in the UK and they allocated half the smoker's to a vaping device and the other half to a nicotine replacement product, a patch usually with gum or, or lozenge. And after 12 months, the people in the vaping group were twice as likely to have quit. So it's tw- it appears to be at least twice as likely as um, what's our current Uh, um, best available treatment Um, but what's also important is it's actually the most popular quitting method in the world so if you've got a really popular method and a really effective method combined you're going to have a much larger population effect Uh, and that's why smoking rates in countries where it's available uh, are falling much faster than in Australia and you know we're sure vaping is playing a major role in that.
0: And so is there passive smoking concerns with vaping then?
1: Well, according to the Royal College of Physicians in the UK, again, they've looked at at the uh, chemicals and the potency of different chemicals in the vapour. And they say that secondhand vapour poses minimal risk, if any, to bystanders. Um, And there's certainly no evidence of any harm so far. Because the levels of toxins in, from vaping in the air are minimal. When, it, when someone vapes, they absorb most of those chemicals, the small amounts of chemicals that are there. And the vapour dissipates quite quickly in the air because it's a liquid aerosol. Whereas smoke consists of solid particles which hang around much longer. But we still recommend people don't vape around children and pregnant women, but still we think the risks are quite negligible.
0: And that's good to know because I'm sure there's a lot of parents out there w- that um, would like to know that information. But as you've stated, it's still important to not necessarily vape around children or, or people that are pregnant.
1: Well, absolutely. And look, we don't, vaping is only for smokers, we do not recommend it for non smokers or young people. It's I mean there are risks with vaping, there are small risks, but if you're a smoker and you make the switch to vaping, you'll substantially reduce your risk of a whole range of health problems. You, you'll feel much better, you'll be exposed to much fewer toxins, and you'll save a lot of money and, and you'll feel a lot better. So for a smoker making the switch, it's it's really a no-brainer.
0: And hmm. um, where it doesn't matter where you purchase the e-liquid?
1: Yeah, look, I think with any purchase of a a product that's not legally available, you have to think carefully. It's actually illegal to sell nicotine in Australia. So what most vapors do is they buy their nicotine online from um, overseas websites, usually from New Zealand, uh, but also the US, uh, sometimes China. And there are some very reputable suppliers, and the vapors get to know which companies are reliable. And, And many of them have very high... Uh, quality and safety standards now. So, uh, certainly, the nicotine itself is easy to buy, um, and and there are reliable online uh, suppliers. Then, what vapers also do is they purchase the flavoured liquid from local vape shops, and they add the nicotine from overseas to that, so they mix their own at home, um, or they buy the fully prepared mixture from overseas and don't do the home mixing. But more and more these days, they actually do their own home mixing. But there's also a thriving black market in Australia for nicotine e-liquids. So under the counter and at markets and different places, you can actually buy the nicotine liquids available Mm -hmm. in Australia. But we certainly don't recommend that. I mean, these products are poorly labelled, and and you know, they're like any black market products, they're unpredictable, and you don't often don't get what you're expecting.
0: And so, there has been some reports of some deaths associated with vaping. Um, I heard about them on the in the media a few weeks ago in the US. What what's your thoughts about that? You know, should we should vapers be worried?
1: They should certainly not be worried. So what what this is about is. There's been an outbreak of serious lung injuries in the US and Canada in in people who who have been vaping. And so far, nearly a 1,000 cases, and they're often quite serious, and there have been uh, 13 deaths. And these are young people in clusters in certain areas around the country, and it's a typical pattern of what happens when a bad batch of illicit drugs hits the street. So the media reports have been very misleading, and they've implied that this is due to regular nicotine vaping, uh, but it isn't. And what we now, now know is <laughs> this is almost certainly due to people vaping black market THC or cannabis oil from street dealers uh, rather than from the nicotine liquid that we've been talking about. Because some black market suppliers have recently started adding oils to thicken the liquid. And we've known for years that when you inhale oil, it's very toxic to the lungs, very inflammatory, and these patients seem to be getting harm from the lipids or the oil in, in terms of um, a whole range of negative effects on their lungs. But millions of people around the world have been vaping nicotine liquids for over a decade without any similar outbreaks, and there are no oils in nicotine liquids. So I think it's really important to distinguish those two. It's all about the drug you're using or the chemical you're using to vape. It's not about vaping, which is just... A way of heating a liquid into a set an aerosol. It's what you're using.
0: That's a big difference, isn't there?
1: It's a big difference.
0: Is it true that the best way to quit is just cold turkey?
1: Look, quitting cold turkey means quitting without medication or, and without professional support. And look, it's probably the most popular method, but it's actually the least effective. So most people who decide to quit in the morning are already smoking by lunchtime, you know, if they're quitting cold turkey because the cigarette cravings are so strong and withdrawals can be really unpleasant. So if you're quitting without any help, um, we now know that about one in 20 or 25 people will still be abstinent a year later. So the great majority will fail. 95% or more will fail. So some people will succeed. Um, uh, but we really want people to quit as soon as possible with the most effective method, because you know urge, quitting is quitting is urgent, really. the The longer you keep smoking, the more harm you do.
0: And as a tobacco treatment specialist helping people to quit smoking, where have you found is a good place for people to start? Yeah,
1: look, we know from all the research that the most effective way to quit is with the advice and support of a health professional. So that's your GP or your your pharmacist, for example, or there are, there are tobacco specialists around. Uh, and that's combined with stop smoking medication. So the counselling and the medication together give the best results. And there are several aspects to the counselling. So healthcare professionals can provide information about the quitting process and what to expect how long it takes, what's the withdrawal like, they can help you identify your smoking triggers and help you plan coping strategies for when they occur. So if you always smoke on the veranda with your morning coffee, for example, then maybe having the coffee inside where you can't smoke will help. Or if you drink and smoke together, you might decide to have minimal or no alcohol in the early weeks of a quit attempt. So you've got to identify those triggers in advance and plan for those. But it's also important to identify what your barriers are. are Common barriers are weight gain, concerns about stress um, or a fear of failure, Um, and you need to identify those and and develop strategies to help you move through those. And then there's the medication to relieve the cravings and withdrawal. So the medications make, make quitting a lot more comfortable. And the two most effective medications are combination nicotine replacement product that means using a patch with nicotine gum or lozenge or spray um, as needed for cravings Um, and the other treatment is varenicline, which is available on prescription from your doctor
0: so are you ever too old to benefit from quitting smoking
1: well people often say look I've, i've done too much damage by now so there's no point in quitting but that's not true um, there are health benefits in quitting at ed- any age. I mean, the earlier you quit, the better, uh, the longer you live. Smokers, on average, live 10 years less than non-smokers. So They die 10 years earlier. And if you quit before the age of 35, you actually undo all the harm you've done and you have a normal lifespan. So if you're a young smoker, there's a lot to gain. If you quit at the age of 40, you gain, on average, nine years of life. At 50, you gain six years, and at 60, you've still gained four years. So you live longer, but it's just as important that you gain uh, quality of life and you feel better. The body starts to heal, your breathing improves, you have more energy, you sleep better, your mental health and your physical health improve. And the risk of all those unpleasant smoking diseases that start developing later in life fall off, uh, start to fall off immediately. You also save a lot of money, of course, and the pack-a-day smoker these days would save over $10,000 a year, so that's a good enough reason on its own.
0: And I think you're right in terms of quality of life. Have you found just in your own practice, people that have quit in their 60s, you know, report back to you and say that should have done it earlier, and how has it impacted their life?
1: Look, people feel enormously different. And one of the questions I ask when people come back at regular visits is, what changes have you noticed? And they, they just say, I can walk up the stairs without getting puffed. I can play with the grandchildren. I, I can smell the food. Um, I'm just more relaxed. I'm coping better with stress. Um, there are so many benefits um, and people notice them and that, that's really motivating and it keeps people going because they can see, see how it's, it's helping them.
0: And what are some misconceptions that we should know about smoking? Yes, look, I think
1: the most important one I think people need to be aware of is that many people think nicotine is the harmful agent in smoking, and and it's not. It's a nicotine uh, that's you're addicted to. It's the psychoactive ingredient in tobacco, and it's a mild stimulant. But it's similar to caffeine in terms of the harm that it does. It doesn't cause cancer. Doesn't cause lung disease, and it's got only minor effects on the cardiovascular system. And it's really important to understand that because many smokers don't take enough nicotine when they use nicotine replacement products because they're worried about harms from nicotine. But it's it's not the nicotine that's doing the damage. So that's that's a really important uh, thing to understand. The other the other very common concern is um, weight gain. You know, people worry about putting a lot of weight on when they quit. And and that's because when you smoke, nicotine actually suppresses your appetite, so you, you eat less, and it speeds up your metabolism, so you burn your calories off more quickly. Uh, but So when you quit, you may put on a few kilos, but not as much as people think. So the average weight gain is two or three kilograms over the first five years, and then that stabilizes. But one in five people don't gain weight, and... Some people do gain a lot more, but it's far healthier to put a few kilos on than to smoke. So from a health point of view, even that little bit of weight gain is okay. And what we say to people is you shouldn't try too hard to diet strictly while you, because we just know from experience that doing both together just doesn't work. So instead we say to people, look, just eat sensibly, exercise regularly, uh, and focus on quitting. And later on, if you've put some weight on, Let's get to work on that then. But quitting is the priority up front because that's what's going to kill you, and we need to focus on on just on that and and nail that uh, as a a, a first priority. And the third misconception I'd like to mention is stress. So smokers often think that uh, smoking helps them to relax, helps them cope with stress, and that if they quit, they won't be able to manage stress, but What's interesting and what's often surprising to smokers is that the research shows very clearly that former smokers are more relaxed and happier after they've quit and they cope better with stress. So smokers often think that cigarettes make them feel better, but most of the time what it's doing is just relieving the nicotine withdrawal. For example, you, know, you might wake up in the morning without any nicotine and your brain say, I need my nicotine, I'm feeling restless, I'm irritable. You'll have a cigarette and you'll feel better. So you'll, there'll be an automatic reaction to that, that, oh, the nicotine's relaxed me. In fact, it's just taken the withdrawal away. And it it doesn't actually relax you when you have real stress. If you have a fight with your, your husband or your wife, um, the the nicotine or, from a cigarette won't actually help. I mean, what might help is having a break, going outside, having a few deep breaths. That might help, but... The cigarette itself doesn't. So people are often surprised and often they'll say, yes, you're right, That when I have that cigarette, it actually doesn't seem to help, but I sort of feel I should have it anyway. And I think people need to look to to other ways to relax that that are less harmful, things like meditation and deep breathing, exercising, uh, talking to a friend, music, whatever works for them.
0: You were talking about that nicotine isn't associated with... Cardiovascular disease, cancer. So what is it then in a cigarette that's causing our body so much harm if it's not
1: nicotine? Yes, look, it's it's the when you burn organic matter, you release thousands of chemicals. In the case of tobacco, it's seven thousand chemicals. Um, and there are seventy known to cause cancer and probably others that do. Most of the harm comes from that Tar and carbon monoxide that's created by heating tobacco to 900 degrees to burning it and and making this solid uh, and a mixture of tar and particles that uh, coat the lungs so it, it's all those ingredients in the tobacco smoke and and that's why vaping is far less harmful because um, vaping heats the lic- nicotine liquid to about Two to three hundred degrees, um, and there's nothing burning. There's no smoke. Uh, there's no tar, and most of those poisonous chemicals aren't aren't uh, in the vapor. Well,
0: that is absolutely fascinating, and uh, I'm sure I'm not a smoker, but if I was, that just that key knowledge is very powerful. So thank you for teaching us all that today. And from your clinical expertise and years of experience, what do you think is the underlying secret then to successfully stopping smoking and not relapsing?
1: Yeah, look, there's no magic bullet, unfortunately. I think for many people, it is very difficult. But the best chance of quitting is that is, uh, there are ways to, to enhance and optimise your success rate. So the things that help you to be successful. Firstly, to plan your quit attempt carefully. So to to think about your triggers, work out what your barriers are, work towards a quit date, and prepare for quitting. Um, we encourage people to get support from family and friends. We know that helps. We know seeing a health professional helps. Using meditation certainly helps if you're addicted. That uh, doubles or triples your success rate. And if you are getting support, you should continue to get that follow-up support from your health professional because we know that that support makes a difference. But the reality is that most successful ex-smokers have tried and failed a number of times before they finally succeed. So each time you're not successful, you actually learn something. So we, we still sort of see those, we talk about those failures as learning experiences. You might learn, for example, well, I can't just have one cigarette. So you'll you'll know for next time that, you, that that didn't work for you. And the important thing is just to keep trying because, you know, from repeated attempts, people will get there uh, eventually. But then the next challenge is, is avoiding relapse, as you said. And surprisingly, there are no strategies that actually help you to prevent relapse. So once you quit, that next stage of staying quit can be difficult and people will often relapse, particularly around uh, times of stress, uh, when there's alcohol around and there are other smokers around. Um, but there's growing evidence that vaping helps because when you get that urge to smoke, vaping can give you that smoking-like experience with nicotine and and the hand-to-mouth habit, and and you haven't relapsed. You've had a you know a satisfying smoking-like experience, but without the poisons and And that's much easier just then to to move on from that. But that risk of relapse does reduce over time. But even after 12 months, about one in three smokers will still relapse. So if you do have a a slip, um, a cigarette or two, the most important thing is to get back on track as soon as you can. And if you can get to two or three years, you've got a very good chance of remaining a non-smoker.
0: And perhaps not choose to um quit near the festive season or is it is there a sort of a link to timing of when you decide to twit do you quit? Do you find that people go, Oh, New Year's resolution, gonna quit smoking?
1: Well, yes, unfortunately most New Year's resolutions smoking like all the others end up, you know, having been already unsuccessful within a few days. And it's it's I think like I think it's good that people are trying to quit at New Year's, but I think They'll only succeed if they plan the quit attempt carefully and think about certainly exposure to alcohol and festive occasions because that's often a powerful trigger to smoking. Um, so I think, I think you know, it doesn't, no matter when you quit, you've got to – and there's never a perfect time. There's always some, um, some, some reason not to, some barrier, some, some stressful uh, event – some social event, that's going to be a risk factor for you. I think people need to eventually bite the bullet sooner or later, but plan it carefully and think ahead and, and avoid those difficult situations.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time today. I've learnt so much and I'm sure everyone listening too. And uh, we really appreciate your time speaking with us.
1: That's my pleasure, today.
0: A big thank you to Associate Professor Mendelssohn for sharing his knowledge with us today on MediTalk. To learn more about Associate Professor Mendelson, visit colinmendelson.com.au or athra.org.au. If you feel this podcast episode can help a friend or a family member, please share, as sharing knowledge empowers our lives and the lives of others. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please take a minute to write a quick review on Apple Podcasts. To listen to more episodes of MediTalk, visit meditalk.com.au and if you have any medical conditions you would like to learn more about, please send me an email via danae at meditalk.com.au. Stay well and thank
1: you for listening.